You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to today's Coaches on the Couch. Uh, myself and Coach Alan today will be going through uh, the six pillars of uh, triathlon development or an athlete's development, which has made, uh, I guess, the core principles of the development for athletes within British triathlon. So, uh, Alan, Alan, hi, how are you? How are you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm excited to uh, talk, talk about athlete development. That's not something we talk about very often. Um, no change from FTP and Swift. Definitely, well, I guess that's a good starting point. You know, why, why is why is it exciting for you? Why why is um, athlete development sort of not on the agenda that often? Because everybody's too busy looking at their Garmin and numbers and things like this, and forget that there's other things that go into it. Because those are really easily measurable things, and we can record them and look at them and. Uh, well quite frankly that's what the universe tells us we should be looking at so uh, we're here to broaden that conversation this afternoon yeah definitely definitely well I think um, I think the other side of it as well from my perspective as a as a coach and then I guess someone who was an athlete as well at one point um, it's, it's recognizing where you are in that journey as an athlete kind of having a Garmin or looking at your numbers or anything like that you know you, you're always quite um I guess focused on the here and the now and the what's happening and how can I improve and well you know my my running pace was faster last week than it is this week I'm getting bad or whatever and actually it's that orientation around well where are you in your development as an athlete not in terms of your performance as an athlete and I guess that's a very key difference that we'll go into a bit later on so British triathlon and there are other models out there as well, but British Triathlon came up with the six pillars for athletic development for their for their athletes. Yeah. Um, so it falls yeah. it, it falls within a bigger picture. So it generally falls under the athlete development framework, which everybody can go and look at. So when I spoke about this with the coached athletes, I afterwards I said, Dana, please do go away and look at the website and have a read through because I think there's a lot that age group athletes can can learn from it, and that's one of the reasons for for talking about it today. So the reason for it being in place is it, it forms a part of the performance pathway. Uh, and fundamentally, that pathway is, you know, is about achieving Olympic success. That's it. Um, and it's a framework really deliberately. So if you, if you watch the video, it really quickly goes into that in that it's not overly prescriptive. It's not you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. Um, <laughs> there's a nice comparison there to my least favourite thing in Trainee Peaks, which is the uh, everything going red, amber or green, um, which is the opposite, really, because that is very prescriptive or seen to be very prescriptive by athletes. I must make it go green. This, this framework's not like that. Um, and the idea is to is basically to develop the whole athlete, which is a bit of a cliche phrase, but it's kind of it's a good starting point. Um, so, although triathlon is obviously there's the physical aspects about it, in order to go on to achieve what the, the what the performance pathway wants, you need whole athletes that are. Um, 
you know they're really they're really complete they're able to solve problems work things out for themselves and make good decisions um regardless of what's going on around them i guess a good example of that would be the reason that we won silver in the women's olympic final you know georgia taylor brown had a had a puncture and had a split second or two to make a decision around what she would because she was about half a mile away from the finish Um, yeah 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 and i and i can like i have experience of doing exactly you know having worked um previously and helped with the academy and worked with junior athletes at millfield like one of the sessions that we did there was a row athlon where the athletes did like a 2k erg row i think it was just a, one of the the go for a ride on a wednesday afternoon and it was wet so we or i think you know wet we would have gone out in the rain i'd have been like put a coat on but there's probably wind so like obviously weather warnings wind you're not going out especially with sub 50 kilo athletes it, it's really not a good idea and uh, not good for my stress levels either so we did a row athlon on a windy wednesday afternoon so like 2k erg and then they did a rollers ride so you ride on the rollers for like i think it was 15 minutes something like that but then the difficulty is well how do you how do people ride faster on the rollers so they got time reductions for doing for executing certain skills so if like if you went no hands on the rollers you get a minute off if you managed to juggle three balls you got three minutes off if you managed to play catch with a coach you got 20 seconds off etc etc take a drink take one hand off uh, probably other things that I can't remember and then anyway jump off and run 2k on the treadmill and we did it in waves and we kept all the athletes in one room and the row and the rollers are in, one, are in the same room and in that situation the rowers make a huge amount of noise and we turn the music up really loud and whilst they all had their backs to us we let all their front tires down to see how they would respond and it's it's that element of coaching in what we do that we rarely cover um responding to something that isn't right the other thing in terms of coaching that doesn't get covered is unfair rules how do you so like a football is the easiest thing where you have a game at the end of a practice and you pick two teams you put eight players on one team and six on the other yeah and then you referee it badly as well yeah, yeah, then referee it badly, send off a player on the six-person team because they've lost their head, so, so it's unfair. Yeah. You chat him back, off you go. <laughs> what? We've only got five now. You'll have four if you continue on that phone kind exactly. of thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Refer to, uh, what's the rugby um, chap who is, I um, can't remember his name now. Owen Williams. This this is not a football Welsh chap, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, a lot of it is about all of those kind of things uh, as well. Um, and I think it's important to understand that it is, it is based on, there's a temporal element to it. So you have junior, high-performing junior athletes coming in. And so some of the structure has um, carry over to what's going on during that age in terms of education and like just some decisions and things that come along with it. Um, so it's more it's more than just swim bike run, um, because obviously with the whole athlete idea, it's all well and good being able to swim bike and run really fast, 
but if you never turn up on time you've got really bad admin um you don't eat well you don't look after yourself um your 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 sort of personal and professional life is a bit of a mess then no matter how talented you are you're probably unlikely to get to the top because to get there the whole athlete's got to be performing really well and you turn up on time i guess i think what i'm hearing you say here is is, is interesting is that the the kind of the athlete bit is the tip of the iceberg um it, you know, obviously you've got to hit certain times to to get into sort of a pathway and how do you relate that out into the kind of the wider context of any age group athlete yes you, you know you'll be an age group athlete and you can hit certain times or do certain races you're going to do your first sprint or olympic distance or go through your ironman it doesn't make a difference but how yeah. well you do isn't going to just be a component of swim bike and run times it's everything to present yourself to get to the point where you can execute those swim bike and run times and we talk a lot i know um with athletes around you know what are we doing to reduce the probability of failure or increase the possibility or probability of success you know you can't make anything fixed there's no way i can tell you you will run a 16 minute 5k off the bike that's guaranteed no but we can do training which makes the probability of that happening very likely and so the expectation is that that's what you are capable of doing so it's all about shifting that dial into kind of more and more probable uh, and i guess that whole athlete is looking at exactly that how can you make all the performance targets that you want to have as being more probable and that absolutely um, part of being a, an amateur athlete as well as sort of a high performance pathway you know talent id type athlete as well um, and i guess that's sort of the exciting part of the whole thing um I so let, i think you should come back to that context of an age group athlete after having been through the pillars that sounds good so let, let's then talk about that so you've, we've got the framework which is um the bigger picture and then underpinning the development of an athlete are these six pillars so let's um yeah let's go through through that now then so like i say there's a temporal element to this um and there's obviously the six the six pillars that go into it so training as play is the first one uh and hopefully that should be a really easy carryover for everybody and principally that's around like loving it and being passionate about it and do you want to go for a bike ride hell yeah do you want to go for a swim hell yeah do you want to go for a run hell yeah do you want to do transition practice hell yeah um and like kind of being a fan of it and, and enjoying it um the i think from an age group coaching point of view um coach coach do i have to do these intervals in on you know indoors on the turbo um meditating on focus and staring at a dot on the wall whilst hitting my exact wattage what's the answer you don't have to do anything <laughs> no you don't like you but also equally i think go and do it on the road because that's more fun or you know if you want to do this because it's trying to think about so coming away, like you, I've seen a lot of age group athlete, athletes make a presumption or an assumption that they should train in a very um, monk-like manner and they, they must hit these and they must do it perfectly and they must and they need to. But if all of, if all of that comes at the cost of number one and you no longer enjoy it and you stop doing it, 
then you've lost your way. But also really importantly, if you don't like it, you're allowed to do something else as well. It's not your job. So if you don't love it, that's kind of the first thing that comes first. First thing that comes first, great English, well done me. Yeah, yeah I think that, that's, um, I think it's fairly self-explanatory. Do you, do you enjoy it? Do you love it? Do you choose to do it? I think that choice is really important with, with these sort of things. Yeah. So yeah. the the play aspect of it, do you want to sort of, I mean, play is quite a specific word. I know you and I love the word play when we're talking about training and play and how that kind of interfaces. Do, do you want to explore that a little bit more? Well, I think it's about exploration, skill development and working out what you like. So skipping you can skip a lot of steps and get very serious very quickly, but that that misses a breadth of experience. So in order to work out what works well for you, you need to have a good bandwidth. If you've only tried one approach, then it can be, you don't, you don't really know and you can undermine your own confidence in how you're going about things. So being flexible in your approach is part of play. Um, you know, try hill reps, try fart leg, try track running, um, try running with a group, um, try lamppost fart leg, try downhill running, try fell rear running, try cross country, try indoor track running, outdoor track running, and by that I mean racing. Um, try running backwards, sideways, crossover, high knees, um, any other kind of variants you can think of, like try everything, have a go at everything and work out what works well. Um, I think I'm trying to say that's playful. I think it's also um, about recognising that, that yes, there is a discipline within training. You have to be to some degree disciplined in waking up getting to the pool on time and that's i think some of the other aspects of what you were talking about earlier but the the sessions themselves don't have to be mundane and boring you can make them fun you can you know if you're not having fun whilst doing them then that's one side of it and on the flip side by actually playing you're experimenting and by experimenting to pick up what you said there you know you're you're learning about what works for you um you know have you have you as an adult ever been and gone back to the point of oh i bet you can't stand on one leg for longer than 10 minutes that's a, you know, totally pointless. Probably haven't seen a training session which has ever been stand on one leg for 10 minutes. But yeah, give it a go. Why not? What, what do you have to lose? Um, whereas I think looking at the age group, age off the people who are going through that point within the, uh, the, or with the pillars, adults generally don't like that sort of training session, but they're really good. And once you get that inner child out, that play comes out and suddenly they're really learning, which is amazing to watch. So from a junior point of view, this is obviously you can, it's really obvious how it falls in terms of not necessarily specializing too early or overly focusing on sport too early. So you're kind of thinking, you know, 13, 14, 15, maybe. I think for age groupers, a really good example of this as well is the distances of the races is one of the great things about triathlons and multi-sport in general. There's so much variety out there. So the other aspect of the pillars is they're not necessarily linear. They can be cyclical. 
like many things. So you don't go training as play all the way through to pillar six and that's it, boom, you've passed go, completed it, mate, move on. You can also, you could do all of these for sprint distance. You, or you could do all of these for your next event. Or you could do all of these for your big race of the year. Or you could do all of these over the course of four years towards an Olympic Games. It, it's kind of trying to take these and applying them in the time period that works for you and and where where you're at. But well, I think the the idea that they're pillars rather than um, I guess the process yeah. is quite key, isn't it? You know, pillar means yeah. that you need all six there to be keeping something upright. Sure. Yeah. yeah. On, what's pillar number two? Not everybody might not get that though lack of engineer mind Maybe. um so the the second one's informed choice and that's that's about things outside of training and racing so essentially for the juniors it's learning to make better choices with better information obviously as you go through teenage years you know what gcses or whatever they're called now what are you going to do um uh, what kind of sports do you want to commit to? Are you going to keep playing football or are you going to, you going to maybe do less of that? And also there's obviously, it's really difficult for juniors with the influence of what their parents think and what their teachers think and what their coach thinks. And they need to grab hold of some of that and start to make decisions themselves. So a large part of the pillars is about empowering the athlete and making sure it's decisions that they want to make rather than the people around them. Obviously, you know, there's, there's influence going on, but it is about making sure that that empowerment's there and that athletes have confidence in making those decisions and they're able to make good decisions as well. I think the first word of that's the important bit, informed. Like, they need to be informed. But for me, them being informed implies that someone's giving them the information, whereas actually... Well, the, there's a the really important the, I feel that there. the informed bit is they want to go out and find the information so that they can make those choices. Yeah, I think bit of like being resourceful and being responsible are definitely part part of that. Um, it's the whole the whole concept is not around like it's about guided discovery and it's not a telling culture. So. And that's like as coaches often get oh, what should I do? What do you think you should do? Often age group athletes want to be told the answer and that's kind of not the point. The idea is to become, rather to be reliant and dependent upon a coach, is to become empowered and engaged with a coach and share that responsibility and work together. And there's a, di there's a different mindset there required, but it's a fundamental. And I've, I definitely work with athletes who have not got past this stage. Uh, no, at all, all levels, uh, not just uh, oh, all, all levels, yeah, adult and junior. I'd even question one. Is it the pillar one? Yeah. yeah. So we, we want to we want to come back afterwards and sort of see how that um, how those things can be applied, I guess, in an, uh, an age group or a non elite sort of setting. Yeah, yeah, I think we should try and like give both because yeah. it, it helps with the context. Definitely. But yeah, anyway, so obviously trying to make like say career choices or, or whatever there's lots of things that could go into that um but having the information and making a independent decision i'm gonna 
I'm going to jump on to pillar number three. Yeah, okay. The two go together. This this one kind of moves in kind of the next phase and before the, th the fourth and the fifth. Yeah. So, like, there's obviously a lot of carryover between two and three. So three is learning to lead, which is essentially taking ownership um, of what you of what you're doing in terms of your athletic performance. Um, and that's that's something that has to be built on or built towards. Um, you can make a, a younger or less experienced level, you can make smaller decisions, but it's, it, it's kind of like any skill, you're going to try and scaffold it. So you need to you need to go in with the basics and then progress and make things more challenging, more difficult. Um, and that can be environmental, or it can just be so the, or it can be the what you're making your decision about, which are subtly different. Um, and trying to work out again what works well and what's best practice for an individual in terms of making decisions how do they go about it what are the different ways of going about it um what do they benefit from do they like to run things by people do they like to write things down do they prefer to talk to one person um are they able to recognize bias and influence in people's opinions i mean like like ultimately like selection processes you kind of get told sometimes but there are a, where obviously for like the elite athletes where are you going to race how does that you know go towards your performance but also your your income should you, go, so. should you go and do Super League or should you go and do uh, a World Tour race or should you go and do like a 70.3 or should you just train? You know, what should you do? I think for me, the interesting word in that one, but the, the, the first one, learning, is, is really interesting when it's linked in with leadership because leadership is, you know, first of all, how often do people see leadership and they have that classic image of someone shouting over an athlete saying go on go faster do one more rep or this is how we're going to do it and they kind of almost suggest that that's sort of a form of coaching and you've sort of quite openly just said that coaching is about not telling an athlete what to do but more rather helping them come to their own conclusions and I think for me the interesting um, observation at, at that is well they need to learn to have their own leadership so they, they they can make informed choices but then also go with it you know take take that choice and make something off it which is sort of that visionary and that um turning that choice and, and leading other people or other other coaches staff support whatever it might be behind that decision to help them get to where they want to want to go yeah and i think it's very very different to how a lot of people might look at um the classic coach-athlete relationship or the general understanding of an athlete within the performance or high-performance culture. They kind of see what athlete is 
basically the the thing which does the stuff and uh, you know hopefully they perform at the other end but actually very very different in the way that we're, we're presenting this through, through these six pillars in British triathlon yeah it could be really simple little examples like you said rather than come on do one more rep it's do you think you should do more one more, more rep and as a coach you're trying to create an environment that not just trains but educates and develops um so you know as a coach as a reflection point is are you a trainer are you a developer are you an educator what what hat are you wearing now what's appropriate for the athlete in front of you and for the athlete like where are you where are you at with stuff i think my when you were saying that i was just thinking what's the where's the balance between learning to lead and learning to listen well, there's a whole argument there around or discussion point around uh you know the best leaders actually listen more than they speak um you know but the most most people have that classic uh follow me i you know this is the way we're going to do it type image of their leader you know, because they're generally kind of sought after be that a churchill type um you know leadership style or or otherwise a lot of people kind of jump on that because that's what so i guess almost more romantic but actually if we're all, all very honest, some of the best leadership um, examples and um, examples of great leaders are ones who can listen, digest the problem, understand what the problem is, and then orientate the, the team and the, the group around them to the best possible solution um, and, you know, and, and bring everybody along with them. It's about encouraging people to, to, to go for, forwards with that as opposed to do it as this way because i said <laughs> i guess what well, one way of looking at it is leading versus pushing um you know are, are you someone who sits behind uh, the other person just prodding them to go in the right direction or are you saying come on let's see what we can do together um the, i know we said earlier that there is this isn't a process this is six pillars individually but it's very easy to see how informed choice and learning to lead have to go together i mean you can't you can lead, but ultimately leadership becomes a little bit weaker if you haven't got an informed opinion or decision on certain things. So the two do link together. And I can see how um, if you haven't got leadership, then the informed choice becomes totally null and void because you could have the best you know, the best choice that there possibly is. But if you can't get people to gather around you and, and follow you with that decision that you're wanting to take, then it doesn't make a difference. But then equally, you could be totally oblivious to the right kind of better information or in, insight into certain things and uh, lead everyone down the wrong trail and you kind of ended up sort of well that was a bad decision because of the you know the lack of good decision information beforehand so yes i know we said that they are uh, obviously independent of one another but at the same time they do compile on top of one another as well yeah so and then the bridge to the next step so like learning to lead and thinking specifically about, you know, you could lead a horse to water, but you can't necessarily make it drink. There's, a, there's an element of learning to lead, which is apathy versus drive. So in junior athletes can, if they're not sort of really pushing, they're not really that involved. They just turn up. But there's a difference between turning up and, and having a bit of drive taking some degree of, of control of the situation and making it happen but it's really important that if you do have that drive and you are taking ownership and leading things 
that you don't do so in a haphazard and crazy manner, like headless chicken. Yeah, I'm just smashing everything. And that's where the next pillar comes in, which is intelligent training, which is essentially about learning to train well, but also doing so with, with clarity about what you're doing and it being purposeful and deliberate um, rather than, you know, smashing down the door and just battering yourself. Um, so, and obviously part, part of that again is, is learning about different training modalities and what you need to know and what good execution of training looks like. Um, what the structure is, what the bigger picture is. So again, like an age group training peaks point of view, I've got a session today, need to do it, tick it off. That's as broad as it gets. But if you have a better understanding of the whole purpose and you're able to stand, to, to stand back, then you're likely to train in a slightly more balanced and intelligent manner. Um, and you'll manage the whole situation a little bit better. To, to get a better outcome from the whole thing. I think this is probably an area that um, I guess most people believe is the starting point to training. They kind of sort of almost take, well, okay, I, you know, I want to get coached yeah. or so also I'm the, going to the start point... doing training. I'm going to do this. And they, that's the kind of where they think, oh, that's where everything starts. But yeah, I, yeah, they skip the first three. Uh, not that it's a process, but obviously they but I think... really exist. I think we have a bias in our point in our point in that because people come to us for that. We don't necessarily see a lot of athletes in the early stages when they're just having a go and they're like, oh, what's a number belt? Oh yeah, I probably need one of those at their first race and and all that. So I think there's a little bit of bias with us. But yeah, it is generally people can skip the first three and come in at this point. I guess maybe when I'm talking about it as well, I'm thinking not just skip it in terms of I'll go straight into getting a coach, but also in their mind, they're kind of, we talk about identity quite often with athletes. You know, do you identify yourself as a triathlete? Do you identify yourself as a coached athlete? And I remember having a conversation a long time ago with someone saying, you know, when, when you talk to us on training camps, you call us athletes. And I said, well, that's because you are athletes. You know, you're, you're swimming, cycling, running, you're you know, eating, you're fueling, you're kind of, you are basically athletes that's sort of what yeah but i don't feel like an athlete i'm just someone who's you know an accountant or i'm a teacher or I'm a, whatever i might be and you know i, I you know mother or a child I, I'm, I'm not i don't see myself as an athlete and that identity sort of is a bit of a weird one to then start labeling someone as an athlete and, and i know a lot of people kind of imposter syndrome still don't even though they're doing really really well in performances or you know going and doing all sorts of amazing things just having a go it doesn't have to be great performances but you know they're getting out there and they're putting themselves in the same sort of way as any elite athlete would but they would never call themselves an athlete and a lot of people i feel kind of think that um, that intelligent training i'm trying to tra train smarter that's the starting point of where that identity maybe as an athlete begins or they start thinking that's sort of the next step um which i need to kind of go through and, and maybe not necessarily realizing that there are other components of that performer which still need to be acknowledged as we talked about the kind of the enjoyment factor at the very beginning you know mm. uh, as, as, a, as a good example of it so so that moves that kind of once you've got your training all kind of intelligent and you you know you understand where oh, i mean i'm in such good shape i've trained so well exactly um 
people then often come come into the into the race scenario and their their Nail racing it. is sort of maybe not quite as intelligent as their uh, as their training at that point in time so what's the uh, what's the fifth pillar intelligent racing or uh, it could also be known as not having bright ideas um, maybe lack of intelligent racing might be <laughs> yeah too much intelligence when racing yeah so obviously within the elite pathway it's draft legal which opens it up to there's more decisions coming to that because it's a more complex environment to race within um the the interaction and the effect of other athletes can be far more significant and also because of the nature of elite elite sport everybody is at a closer level so you're constantly around other athletes in a way that you're just not in age group racing uh, in any age group race um so you can yeah you can have all, it's it's about executing a good race making good decisions um and that you know in order to do a really good job of that you've got to have a knowledge a lot of knowledge and experience through training and racing um and it, it, to be able to recall and make the certain decisions need to be made without thinking um because if you if you if you think about it the t the time's gone um shoulda woulda coulda comes to mind um i think all you know being able to anticipate I'm not going to say the predict word, but being able to anticipate things and be a little bit ahead and being able to see the race dynamic and not become distracted and being able to change your focus as well. So I need to get around this corner. Very narrow bit of focus. I come out of the corner. I need to think about where the wind's coming for the next corner. Therefore, I need to be this side of the pack. That, like swimming as well, very narrow focus on your own technique, but very, very broad focus in terms of the where people are around you and where the ideal line is and where you want to be coming out of the water. And it, it, there's positional things. Um, age group athletes, it tend to be, what's my swim split going to be? What's my T1 going to be? What's my bike going to be? All of this. And it's like... I actually said this to an athlete on a call in the last last week. It, it's, it's like my bike split was really good. I was like, hang on a minute. That's like me saying in the, in the second half of the first half, we won 1-0 in the football game. We did really well. We won that second half of the first half 1-0. But then you got beat 6-1 overall, didn't you? So does anybody care about that that bit? And it's like trying to to see a bigger picture of a race and make decisions within it that affect the the net time. And so change changing focus is really important and being being able to observe and be aware of what your opponents do is really important at an elite level. And that's even within the swim to be able to look around and know where people are is is really tricky the word i often use around racing is clinical um because it, it needs to be a sort of a very deliberate reaction to something so it, it it's calculated 
you understand the implications go back to your first one informed choice you know oh, sorry second second pillar the informed choice you know you you know you know what the implications are if that group goes up the road um you know what happens if you decide to burn up this hill and you're consciously deciding to do it or not and it's a decision yeah. that you're making and and that goes right back to our very first um first uh, pillar which is training as play you you'll find out more from what your body can do if you play if you if you challenge it than you would do um by doing exactly what the script says and not doing anything more i mean i, I kind of jump back to everyone with a power meter doing bike training will have done a 20 minute ftp test mm. and now with it all being on uh, a lot of the stuff being on zwift um, or if you're going to do a 10 mile time trial as an equivalent, everyone has an idea of what their FTP is. In fact, Zwift or other things will give you a kind of a bar. This is what you need to try and hold because that's what your FTP is. And it's a guidance. But what happens if you go off at 25% higher than that? You might not hold it. You mm -hmm. might hold it and do and smash your FTP by 25%. You just don't know. Um, because so, a lot of people, especially coming into the sport new, don't really know where those limits are. And a big part of that learning to train bit or intelligent training is actually working out what zones even mean, what thresholds even mean, understanding what all sorts of different components of training actually are. Unless, are you're playing, unless you're experimenting, you won't ever know. You'll yeah. never really know what the top is. Yeah, so like being able to to make decisions with an understanding of the consequences is important. I don't like the idea of reacting to things. You should respond to things. If you react to things, they can be emotional and not particularly wise. Oh, somebody came past me on the bike. I'm racing, therefore I'm racing. I'm gonna follow them. Hang on a minute. That person's gonna ride the bike like 20 minutes faster you. Is that a good idea? No, but you've emotionally, you know, reactive you've not you've not thought about it and gone no that's silly and that's why i did put in the word calculated reaction but yes you're right i think response is a is a better better one one word uh I, I, one. I, I, and then through sorry and, and through through those decisions that people are making they they learn and then they learn okay. better for next time yeah not making the same mistake you know not doing the definition of insanity thing um i also think like taking deliberate like you think you said deliberate and then deliberate action like assertively as well as in response to things being able to to do all of these things with confidence um is 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 important so finally the sixth pillar oh, it's just basically nailing it basically got, it's like eminem in it you've got one opportunity one moment that's it. That is literally it. That song line is pretty much what it's all about. Um, delivering your best when it matters. Obviously, the this is gold medal. You you know, like the biggest pressure moment that people talk about within triathlon is the expectations on Alistair and Johnny in London, ten ten geez ten years ago nearly. Yeah. Um, it was basically like, <laughs> basically we expect gold, get it done. Yeah. And, that's the definition of this. And obviously from BTF point of view, that's that's what they want to be able to repeat and deliver because it's important for funding and yeah. all sorts of other things. But, and, and, but it's also important because well, we want to do well. And to, to paraphrase Eminem, but quote 
British triathlon. It's one day, one race. Um, which sounds like another song. Uh, I'm sure we could probably find a few. <laughs> um, one love or something like that. But um, yeah, it, it's looking into that idea that you've got a single moment um, where you you need to be at your absolute best and everything leads into it. Um, and on the flip side, there are other days when you don't need to be your absolute best and therefore you don't need to kind of nail it. You, you can yeah, take a good point. decision that you don't need to push you're not getting frustrated about it because you can see the bigger picture yeah i think i think that's a really important point especially from an age group point of view to to understand this one doesn't matter it is not even going back to a training session point of view i think all too often i see athletes who are olympic gold medal analyzing every training session that they do did Feeling good is not a prerequisite part of training. Some sessions will feel terrible. Indeed, you know, you're going to feel tired and it won't be easy. That's that's the prerequisite. It's not that they feel good, it's that they don't feel good. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to feel at your best all the time, well, things are probably not going as well as they could. Um, so to with that in mind, my question that I wrote down here was as an age grouper, should I, because of the way these six pillars come around, should I perfect everything around training as an age group athlete? Should I make sure that, you know, I'm really enjoying stuff. I enjoy my training as much as I can. All of my decisions outside of training and racing are are pointed towards making sure that my, my peak performance I take great leadership. I nail my training. I nail my racing, and I nail my my big A goal. Is that is that right? Happens take uh, take <laughs> take the answer for all the age groupers. I think that misses the second pillar, which is that informed choice outside of training and and racing. And that might be the right decision for someone. Only that someone can really make that decision. Um, it has to be on them and um, but it's important to realize the bigger context the bigger landscape of the individual uh, when yeah putting all that focus into racing and training yeah I, I wanted to ask that because I think it's re- I don't want to take for this for what we're discussing here to be taken and applied in an inappropriate manner because it, like you say, it, it depends and it's what's right for the individual. I think it's really important that athletes, I don't know, annually, maybe more than annually, reflect on the sort of number two part. And it's it's a interesting point at the moment, given we're kind of going back into a bit of a more normal year this year. Um, I personally have race entries hanging over from pre-COVID, and I know a lot of people do, and a lot of people obviously have goals hanging over from pre-COVID. I think it's important at the moment that people ask themselves, do those goals still apply? Because, well, some stuff happened. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one. I mean, I just look into into my own my own household and yeah, what's changed in the last two years? Yeah, exactly what's changed in us. But <laughs> Emma, uh, my wife has got a um a rolled over race entry to Ironman France this um this year and that's from 2020 now going into Ironman France 2020 there were some very specific goals um off the back of her 2019 season and 
since then we've had a child obviously we've had the pandemic as well and uh, kind of learning how to train right back at the very beginning with um uh, yeah intelligent training and throw in the the inconsistency of child uh, or a child and sleep and all those other joyful things which new parents have to um have yeah. to endure or enjoy um you know clearly, I mean, even, clearly it's even, a very different very different setup into that race so should the same goal exist maybe but how you get there the intelligent training part is going to be very different yeah so. it's totally okay for it to still be the goal but i think it's important to to sort of step back from it and reflect on it and think about it so that's where um, the informed choice comes in because obviously time means you get more information and you can make better decisions with more information so you know again the <laughs> goal is a goal and we don't one day one race is the the outcome clearly but how you get there can can change quite a lot and you might make decisions which are different to what they were in january or yeah they were in- so you said better decisions in there as well and i was like hang on a minute because there could easily be an assumption better means well i'm just going to achieve it more it's okay to reverse a decision reversing a decision can be a better decision yeah as well. absolutely because it's informed yeah. yeah, you, you might go down that route and that's not the right decision. You can see yeah. it's not the right decision. Okay. So it's, it's It'd be quite, quite interesting to rephrase these and reframe them as the opposite. So like training as boredom. Yeah, that's a very um, interesting way of putting it. Blind, blindly following, you know, blindly following. So not choosing, following. Yeah. What does Instagram say I should do? Um, uh, blindly following, learning to follow um how do i say stupid training without saying stupid maybe training? it should be the um instead of uh, blind, uh cho- choice instead maybe it's more around the idea of um um kind of a reaction so not sure oh, so being told yeah, being, being told tra- training is yeah, being being told following being, learning to follow unintelligent training unintelligent racing and never performing uh, on any day <laughs> no trying trying to race all the time yeah exactly so it's not one day one race it's 365 races well more if you're training twice a day yeah true very true that's a really Which interesting is, powerful way of looking at those and then and then that last one another way of phrasing that is divide and conquer but you're essentially dividing conquering yourself which is otherwise known as self-sabotage I think that's a, I mean, so let, let's kind of reframe that in again to, to the athletes, to these age group athletes or the non-elite, the non-pathway athletes, the people who, you know, I just do the sport. I, I don't have a you know, six pillars of my performance or my own personal performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, I think actually flipping those in the head suddenly do demonstrate quite nicely how these can apply to anyone at, at any point uh, and where someone might find they are stronger or maybe lacking in certain areas. But what what would you say is the kind of the key takeaway for um for an age grouper uh when when thinking about these sort of six pillars of triathlon don't forget the basics don't forget to have fun um don't forget that you get to choose and it's okay to to want to try new stuff just because certain people you know it's like the like iron man's a classic oh that's what everybody does I, I've worked with a few people who are like bold enough to say they love sprint distance and they're going to do it. And I, I'm like, good for you because there's an active choice to do that rather than 
to some degree the race to the top or the race for the longest. Um, whatever age group things should take away. I think the last one for me is most powerful, that kind of not 365 days. Of yeah, 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 yeah. That I want to shout, really... shout that one from the rooftops. Um, and I guess the, 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 the age group, they're going to generally see the bottom three more and more, aren't they? They're going to start seeing that, you know, how can I intelligent, be more intelligent in my training? How can I be make better decisions at race, in racing? And how can I you know, race really well in one day? Because that's what they're really looking for, especially at age group level. That's kind yeah. of where they sit. But I think it's important to remember the the other three exist and really important. You know, are they having fun? Are they actually making decisions and choosing what they want to do? And are they leading their own journey through their performance? Yeah. Um, and, and I think those three, for an age group, I think those are the three they probably need to focus on more because the other three are quite well documented. You know, they, pe- how many people have you had come to you saying, I've just been reading about this in, I think I should try that. Like they, that kind of comes under the intelligent training and the intelligent racing they, they've seen what other people are doing they kind of they think it could work for them they want to try and apply it to their training but it is missing the the other kind of key areas around those those pillars the kind of the informed choice and um and le- leadership themselves yeah i think the other thing specific to number four for me that i would want to get across the age groupers is to move away from the binary and and you know, do a little better with that because uh, my point of view what I see is did I do the session yes good no bad that's it yeah as you're saying that I was just thinking was that a good session how did that go that's not intelligent good training. or bad isn't it is that is one or the other that's oh that's just I don't know what that is that's box I, I refer to it as box ticking and that's why the blooming green box thing on training peaks bugs me um because Green, good, yeah. Brain out, done it, done. Oh, you know, did you good? Did you do a good job? What was, you know, even from a, the coach, like looking at the coach, was it a good session? Do you think it was appropriate? Do you think, oh yeah, I can see why they've said that. Yeah, that was that was useful. I get that. That was good. I can see where it's going. Did I hit the aim of the session? Not even like the wattage or the detail. Do some aerobic running. Did you do aerobic running? Or did you not? What is aerobic running? Do you know? And then and then that kind of bit gets skipped over sometimes and trying to understand that and learn about that. And then like did you pick a good route did you pick a bad route was the time of day good was your nutrition before it good you know how you executed it in terms of your day was that was that kind of good what you did in the 15 minutes before the run and the 15 minutes after the run was that good yeah how 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 did you perform mentally during that training session were you focusing on the right things or were you daydreaming about something else it goes far, far, far beyond just the, as you say, the green box or... Yeah, like so much. Um, and, and that, that if, if you want to get better as an age grouper, like learn how to do that. It's the stuff that you can't see, the stuff that doesn't get a green tick, the stuff that isn't obvious that makes a difference. Goes like, back to the kind of the, the famous saying, you know, that which is measured is improved. So if green boxes... Um, I, but it, it, but it that isn't. means that people try and improve their number of green boxes, isn't it? If you, 
for you to get the fluffy stuff in there and sort of as you said what how is your nutrition going into it how do you measure that how do you, you know, how do you look at your um, your mindset through the session how do you look at your focus you know we can't easily measure that only the athlete can know yeah and those are sort of i things. can't i can't see it yeah but, yeah. and like i say i can i can i you know am i training an athlete or am i coaching an athlete if i'm training an athlete i just put it up and forget about it I'm coaching and try and look into that thing and help them develop understanding i guess that's what we're trying to do here today and that's what what i'm interested in um so yeah that that for me is really important that's a conversation i'd like to have more often um I had a comment that I responded to earlier today on Training Peaks from a young guy that been coaching for not too long. And it was a swim session. Did a good job of this. Really pleased to be hitting like a faster CSS at a certain pace. Um, I, I think doing this has really helped and I'm going to keep doing that. Interestingly, I noticed that my my upper back's a bit tighter. I think this is because I'm moving my aero bars in a little bit. Um, and there's a lot of thinking there that's not, is, is actually outside of the session. Yeah. And, there, and it's really helped me to see what's going on and what he's thinking about. And then the next comment was, um, I'll, get, I'll grab a video of the, the change to the position next time I'm on the turbo and send it over. And my response is like, cool, good job with the pacing make sure that you because he said about doing fred throughs to help his upper back i was like okay make sure you stretch your chest and your pecs as well look forward to seeing the video that's it yeah but other people oh garmin's automatically uploaded the session done yeah, yeah true that is smart why watch, he, not smart training he is getting better at a way faster rate than other athletes that I work with. So there we go. The six pillars of triathlon as a reminder to, to everybody. Um, training at play is the first one. So, you know, enjoying what you're doing. Uh, informed choice is the second one, both inside and outside of, um, of racing and training. Learning to lead. Um, then you move into that intelligent training, kind of bringing everything to one kind of why are you doing it, I guess. Uh, intelligent racing is the um, is the next one. So making good decisions around or winning decisions rather uh, when you are racing. And then finally, as Alan said, there's a number of songs to go with this one, but one day, one race. So kind of making sure that you are actually picking the right day to perform at your absolute best. And uh, although it is applicable, all these things are kind of part of the sort of more high performance pathway conversations there's absolutely no reason why individuals outside of that uh age groupers amateurs can't take a lot of learning from those points and uh, and link them into into their own training and their own development pathway as an athlete um so yeah that, that that's great thanks alan i don't know if you have anything else that you wanted to cover on that one but i thought uh, i only had like one question really written down was which was kind of going on from the last point where if i say about the athlete improving and doing doing really well with that kind of thinking around training and communication through the six pillars who's responsible for what within the six pillars and how much and um, where do the, the sort of the, the sharing things lie between coach and athlete amongst age group athletes 
So like I've, I've given that example and have, who is that the athlete who's doing that? And that, that they're really good at an athlete or have I as a coach taught them how to do that and encourage that kind of behavior? And then, you know, like, should I, should I be doing that with all the other athletes? Should I not be? Is that appropriate for them? Where are they at in terms of their development? Um, who's responsible for playfulness? Am I as a coach responsible for it and what I'm setting? Or is the athlete responsible for that? And then the same with all of the others, right? And I think part of the answer to that is, is it is dependent upon the level of experience of the athlete and the goals that they want to achieve. And then what they've asked the coach to do is the last thing. So like, and those kind of things interact. So obviously, uh, yeah. And you're just gonna to respond to each of those athletes in, in a slightly different manner. And the athlete is gonna ask for slightly different things. So I think athletes sometimes need to make a decision about how much they wanna commit and as to how far they take these. I know this is part of informed choice, True. but it, that there's a, it's a shared responsibility as well as the athlete's responsibility. But I think for me, there's a bit more responsibility on the athlete. And I think, but I think the coaches need to be open to, to create the environment to facilitate the pillars exactly yeah yeah they have to they have to behave in the right way and respond in the right way and ask the right kind of questions not not the right topics but just phrase the questions in the correct way um yeah because it, it needs to you because like as the coach you can ask the questions in the right way we like but if the athlete never sort of grabs hold of it and takes it and starts following those breadcrumbs, they won't get anywhere. So on that note, you can go onto the British Triathlon uh, website. And if you plug in six pillars, you will find it uh, on there. And you can actually read a lot more information on that as well if you want to, to go out and find out more. Um, Alan, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. It was... Uh, no always as always very interesting and uh, i look forward to meeting you again face to face next week in in the in portugal for our training camp so we'll be putting all these things into practice uh, thank you very much the believe strive achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite rss feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.